0: Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if
1: not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog
2: Thursday. Now, here's your host, TJ Reed. All oh, welcome in. Happy Halloween. Depending on when you're hearing us, it is the final. Three-Dog Thursday of October, or has it been October as we get ready to go over the underdogs in college football and the NFL one more time in this month before we flip the calendar to November. Things getting very, very interesting, especially in college football, where another one of the big-time unbeaten power programs taste defeat. Yes, there was some controversy at the end of Kansas State and Oklahoma, but K-State deserves the credit. They outplayed them. They deserve to win that game. And now the Sooners await their fate as to whether they can get into the playoff with a one-loss situation. looks like several teams may have one loss and have the argument to get in to the college football playoff. We shall see as that part rolls along. Busy program. Lots of guests upcoming. I got to stick my chest out right away and tell you With pride that the Memphis Tigers, my alma mater, will be hosting ESPN's College Game Day in the city of Memphis. Uh, The River City, Beale Street, Memphis, and SMU will be the national TV game that is upcoming uh, on ABC Saturday night. So we're going to talk with the play-by-play voice, the longtime, almost 30-year play-by-play voice of the Memphis Tigers. Dave Woloshin uh, will be here with me later on. We've also got some great prognosticators. The Winning Cures Everything guys, uh, Chris Giannini and Gary Seegers, on their podcast and YouTube show. They're based actually in Memphis as well. Double dose uh, to talk about uh, what's going on in Memphis with ESPN showing up with that three hour live pregame show prior to the college football weekend. So Chris Giannini will be here in a little bit. Likewise, also here, Brian Edwards back for another week. Uh, Brian made his debut on Three Dog Thursday last week from BrianEdwardsSports.com and MajorWager.com. Brian, uh, successful with a couple of underdogs in Eastern Michigan and Oklahoma State last week. He's up on the podcast later on with underdog predictions in college football, specifically that Florida-Georgia game. He loves the Gators, and we'll find out more why. Uh, from Brian uh, later on in the show and then Sean Green is back on the podcast love having Sean on he was away last week had a family wedding uh, was also doing some comedy club work back east in Pennsylvania Sean is based in Los Angeles the Sports Gambling Podcast a very popular podcast that Sean is part of He's always on with us, giving us underdogs. Just in specific, giving us underdog winners in the NFL. Love his insight. So Sean will be here uh, talking some college, but in particular some NFL uh, underdogs. Uh, look forward to talking with him uh, about that. So again, we're shaping things in college football and the NFL uh, for sure. One thing, i we're going to talk about this with Dave Wolosia about the, the Memphis escape job, the Houdini-like win against Tulsa. The theme that has been going along is is the team's missing field goals at the end. It also bit the Chicago Bears, just like it bit Tulsa against Memphis on Saturday. It bit the Bears against the L.A. Chargers in field goal range. Both teams in field goal range with time on the clock in short field goal range, and they didn't try to throw in the end zone. They didn't try to score a touchdown. They relied on the field goal. And the field goal, no good for both of them. And this this also struck my Buccaneers back in week three against the New York Giants when they were in range, in close range, with time on the clock and a timeout and did not try to score the touchdown with the low-risk pass in the end zone. Instead settled for the field goal attempt, and the rookie Matt Gay missed that one. So that's three instances this year in prominent college and NFL games where a team has missed the field goal instead of a team going for a touchdown, maybe, to win the game. Strategically, sometimes you outthink yourself on not taking a slight risk to go for six and instead settle for three. Dave Willoshit will talk more about how that's impacted College Game Day and ABC showing this game all over national TV because Tulsa... Gagged the field goal and kept Memphis at seven and one on the season. So we'll talk with him about that coming up. And in the NFL, just trying to figure out who, where, and why with some of these uh, some of these different games and different upsets. What a season it has already been. Uh, for some of these different teams. Uh, New England keeps rolling along. Uh, obviously, the Saints, even without Drew Brees, went 5-for-5. Five five. Brees comes back. He never missed a beat off the busted thumb. Uh, they roll the Cardinals. They look the part. How about the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, who had them right now at 7-0? and And they get ready on Three Dog Thursday to play a Thursday night game with Arizona as well. You may be listening later in the weekend and already know how that game went. Is it a first loss for San Francisco, or do they keep right on rolling? Uh, we actually stay away from that game in the context of the podcast but that one coming up uh, Thursday night. All right, so plenty of guests. Uh, to get to. Before we do that, reminder, subscribe to this podcast. However you found us, if it was a social media link, if you found us through Red Circle Podcasting or the Listen Live links, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast. The podcast will come to you automatically whenever it's ready on Thursday, Thursday morning, mid-morning, lunchtime, whatever. Ding on your phone, on your iPad to listen up to 3Dog Thursday if you subscribe. So go wherever you find podcasts. Go to iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, and subscribe away. Podcast will come automatically to you. And I should mention that we are brought to you one more time here in the month of October with MyBookie. Have you taken advantage of mybookie.ag and our special promo code giving you a matching bonus. Uh, for you to put in your initial deposit and have my bookie match your money to wager with them on college football in the NFL. If you've not done it, take advantage. You've got one more uh, weekend left to do here, uh, just that. Uh, they've extended the offer through October for us. Go to mybookie.ag, put in the promo code 3DOG, and your initial deposit, if you're a first-time depositor making wagers with MyBookie, you can get up to $1,000 matched on that initial deposit. Put $200 in, they'll match it for $200. Put uh, 500 in the same thing up to a thousand. Use the promo code three dog. The number three and D O G uh, for the promo code offer from mybookie.ag. Again, uh, they they pay quickly, uh, quicker than most sites. Your your purchase is 100 percent secure through mybookie. Take advantage of the offer here with the initial deposit. 3 Dog will get you that uh, special promo code offer, and they'll match your deposit there with MyBookie. So wager on the college games, the NFL, the World Series comes to an end with the Nationals getting the win, but the NBA has started up, college basketball soon enough. Bet on all of it at MyBookie, and remember our promo code, 3 Dog. All of that out of the way, let's get to our guests as we rock along. It is Three Dog Thursday. Happy Halloween. Trick or treat, here we go. Well, as we mentioned, we are ready to rock and roll with lots of new underdogs, including leading off here with the handicapping portion of the program, the guys from the Winning Cures Everything podcast, Chris Giannini, Gary Seegers. They have been with me all year long. Uh, They have graciously had me on with them all year long. Uh, Some of the underdog predictions are good for them on their show, some of them not as good good on the show Uh, Chris has been good though about hopping on here and has been particularly good in the NFL he gave us the Saints against the Chicago Bears uh, back a couple of weeks ago Uh, also like the Indianapolis Colts outright uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs back earlier in the year so pay particular attention when Chris starts talking NFL football specifically and underdogs in a little bit all of that out of the way, it's an exciting time to be in and around Memphis in the mid South. Because, as I made mention, College Game Day, the ESPN College Game Day show, is coming uh, to Memphis, coming to your city, to the River City this weekend. But that's not the biggest thing. At the time that we're talking, Chris Gianini uh, up here and, and interviewing him on Three Dog Thursday, you got something else going on midweek. You are you are showing diversity. You are showing culture. What have you got going on? You got two tickets. Where right now? I've I've got tickets. I'm going tonight to see Sir Elton John in concert, Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee,
0: at the FedEx Forum. Woo! Got to figure out how to get there because game day's got all the downtown locked down, uh, and it is raining really good here. But once I get inside, it's going to be a good time. Uh, this will be right. my third time seeing <laughs> Sir Elton, and uh, and and man, he's he's a legend and uh, an incredible songwriter, performer, and I'm very excited.
2: I love it uh, because you said to me before we began the interview officially, I'm going to see Elton John, and I said, I've heard the movie is great, and you were kind of like silent on the other <laughs> end, and you went, no, I'm going to see Elton John in concert. Right, uh, to, I, love, right. I love that. About so wait a minute, you've seen him three times. Has it been every time in Memphis, or have you been in other places? No, all
0: three all three times I've seen him in Memphis. Well, this will be the third time. The first time I saw the Elton John-Billy Joel tour together, which is still to this point in my life, the greatest show I've ever seen. Wow. And nothing, the second show is, is so far underneath it, it's not measurable.
2: It's kind of like that, if we can bring it to the college football terms, like that USC-Texas national championship game in the Rose Bowl with Vince Young and Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll and Mack Brown and all that drama. You, you have championship games that are like that, and then you kind of have everything else that falls below that, right? At, at different that, levels. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah, the star power on that stage was How wh- Wait. Okay, yeah.
2: we're totally digressing on the music. How long did Billy yeah. Joel and Elton John play together in that concert? Oh, I mean, I know oh, they, that, they went separately. That, you
0: know, that show was every bit of three hours long. I was going to say. It lasts, it lasts about 30 to 45 minutes was both of them just wailing on the piano at the same time. I don't know if they practiced that, if that was all, all all ad-libbed or what, but it is just them just railing and railing and railing. And it was epic. So
2: I love that. All right. So uh the the man's got ducats, he he's got business. So we need to get to some underdogs <laughs> here on the uh, on the program. Um all right, so we, we come down the home stretch of the college A football season, just as a general theme, the last two weeks, fantastic reminders that you just do not know. And you may think you have your four teams for the college football playoff, but hello, South Carolina knocks off Georgia in overtime. Hello, last week, Kansas State derails the unbeaten Oklahoma season. That that may have been a twelve to fifteen million dollar loss for the Big Twelve Conference to have Oklahoma go down to defeat at Manhattan against Kansas State. That's the great thing here about this stretch run. This is probably going to happen two or three more times and maybe even unexpectedly to these teams at the top. Chris, give me a thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, every week we seemingly have a 20-point underdog pulling out some type of upset the last couple of weeks. And uh, this is what we love about college. Well, it's why we line it up and play the game. It's one of the reasons I I loathe, this is a completely different digression, I loathe preseason rankings. You, you are ranking teams based on who their granddaddy was, who their daddy was, and who you think <laughs> they're supposed to be because of what their name is. And it absolutely infuriates me. I see smaller schools. One of the things i pumped all year, my Big 12 championship game was Baylor-Oklahoma. You can go check that at Winning Cures Everything. I called that. It hadn't happened yet, but that was my prediction early. If Baylor goes undefeated there's a really good shot that a one-loss Penn State or a one-loss Alabama or LSU is going to get in over them simply because, well, they're Baylor. They're not supposed to be here. They they don't belong here. And that stuff just infuriates me to no end. Well,
2: And you're talking about because you were so – um, dissed, you know, in the 90s word, if you were dissed in the beginning of the process, not in the top 20, not in the top 25, we're going to leave you completely out. Now, the argument can be made. Baylor has been really good with an unbeaten season and in the Big 12, but out of conference, Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and Rice. Uh, that's no good on the conference schedule. So you don't have much of an argument in, in the terms of the out-of-conference schedule if they want to take somebody else. I understand the, the point about a one-loss team, but if it becomes a beauty contest with other unbeatens, it's going to be very difficult uh, to take them with that kind of schedule. Of course, we're whittling down the unbeatens, too, here over the course of the next three or four weeks as well. well but we'll see.
0: You got, if you're going to look at the schedule, you got to look at the
2: whole schedule. I know we've completely digressed from talking about underdogs here.
0: But you can't just say, well, they didn't schedule anybody non-conference. Well, they still played Oklahoma. They still played Texas. They still played played Kansas State. And they still played played uh, uh, Iowa State. All right? All four of those teams, all four better than anybody Clemson's going to play. But Clemson's defending champion. And so they just have to get in. And. That's the problem I have with this entire thing.
2: And there is still a possibility, as you mentioned, that if Baylor does run that gauntlet while we're just talking about them, again, to get there from here, they've got to go ahead and beat TCU at TCU. They've got also the Oklahoma game. They've got Texas. They'd have to theoretically win also at Kansas and then a Big 12. Uh, title game. If they win that Big 12 title game again against uh, another uh, another shot at, uh, let's say Oklahoma. Let's say they beat them the first time, or, or they beat somebody else. Yeah, they'll, uh, have to,
0: they'll probably have to beat Oklahoma twice.
2: Yeah. So so if that's the case, well, but I mean, if they beat Oklahoma the second time, somebody else maybe slides in there too. So I it, they they theoretically would have five or six quality wins. So it will be interesting, unbeaten as to how they would be judged. This is why we got to let it play out. That's the theme, right? Whether you're talking about we're going to talk. A little Pac-12 in a little bit. Can the Pac-12 get in there with one loss? Can the Big 12 get in there with one loss? We're gonna we're gonna find that out here over the next few weeks and what that college football playoff selection committee is truly se- uh, thinking. Because I'm the same with you. Uh, I mean the the preseason polls. I've been on this for for 25 years of being on the radio. They basically line the birdcage. We know what happens with that. Uh, they they don't mean anything come October, especially. They certainly don't mean anything come November when the games are actually being played and at least least the cfp's committee doesn't come out with its first ranking until next week until november they're basically saying ignore all the stuff the noise in september and october we will tell you who the four best teams are starting in november and then rotate it and adjust it
0: correct correct so i mean i do like that the college playoff doesn't do that what bothers me though is is those preseason rankings are tiebreakers in conference to see who goes to conference championships if you have several one loss teams. If, if if in the SEC you had a round robin of LSU, Alabama, and Auburn all having one loss and they right. all beat each other, right? The 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 conference champion from the West is going to be Alabama, just because they were number they were ranked higher in the in the preseason rankings. And mm-hmm. that's my issue is if it if it's going to be a tiebreaker, then it has to matter. And that stuff just does not
2: matter. Voice of Chris Giannini, hanging with me, Winning Cures Everything podcast. Go find them at Winning Cures Everything. Uh, It it does. It truly does cure everything. I need a cure for my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's a win uh, as they get ready to go play Seattle. But Winning does cure everything. Winning Cures Everything podcast. YouTube show by the same name, Winning Cures Everything. Go to winningcureseverything.com. Love their insight. He and Gary Seegers on the game. So let's get to it. Let's roll the sleeves up and talk some underdogs Uh, I believe you are sticking with a Big 12 theme for an underdog this week, sir. What about it?
0: Well, I am. I I like to play – a couple of things go into effect here. One is a little bit of logic that, that has kind of bode well for me over the course of history. I like to bet against teams that just pulled off these big upsets the next week. I bet against South Carolina after they upset Georgia because the entire country saw them beat a massive team and therefore the, their line is overinflated. Um, and and then the other side of this is pure heart, love, worship of Les Miles. Les Miles is <laughs> and always will be my coach. Rock Chalk Jay Hawk. I don't care where he goes, he could be the coach of anything in the world, and I'm going to follow him. And uh, he took that Kansas team over, and I was like, oh, no, Les, you can't do this to me. You're going to break my heart. And And throughout the season, they have – been much improved than anything we've seen in Kansas since Mangino years right and uh and and not not only much improved but since they've made the change at uh offensive coordinator this offense has become explosive they obviously have talent that just wasn't being utilized properly they played Texas to an absolute hair of a loss that come down to a last second field goal the last second field Les Miles, miracle history of, of upsetting Texas Tech last week. Kansas State, big-time rival, comes to uh, the Jayhawks this week, and uh, and I think Les is going to be ready for him. I get six and a half points. Listen, they might not pull off another big upset two weeks in a row, but I, I think the emotional letdown from Kansas State is going to be a part of their factor. And then also, Kansas is playing everybody to a field goal. Since they've made the change at O.C., Everybody's been to a field goal game. All I need is a field goal. I cover the line, and I think Kansas has got a chance to win this game outright.
2: Way back in September, you and I talked about them going to Chestnut Hill, Boston, Massachusetts, and they were a 20 point underdog cool. and won yes, the sir. game by 24. That is, that is almost unheard of on how wrong the line makers, the odds makers were on, on that line. The last three games in the Big 12, they've been an underdog in all of them, and they've covered all of them. Now, Oklahoma did uh, beat them, uh, but didn't beat them bad enough to cover the 33-point line. You mentioned the Texas game. That was a 21-point line where they narrowly lost. They had gone for two and taken the lead, as you mentioned, 48-47 late in the game. Texas kicked a field goal in the last play of the game. And then they were, as you mentioned, a six-point underdog at home last week and covered. That is four outright underdog covers, and you're getting points at home. I'm believing in you a little bit here, especially with the nah, letdown factor on, uh, on, on, that, on that guy, K-State. That guy's an incredible coach. Well, and, uh, and it's, it's never dull with him on decision-making, on trick plays, on what to do late in the game. Seemingly clock management keeps both teams in the game. That uh, It should be a lot of fun uh, to watch that one. All right, so Kansas getting points. Um, I, I wonder here, where do you want to go next? Because we've got a buffet in front of us of a, of a couple of other curious underdogs. What do you like next here on three dog Thursday, Chris?
0: I like the number six and a half still. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to go to your home state of Florida. I'm going to Jacksonville. I'm going to what used to be known as the cocktail party (laughs) and uh, they can change the name all they want. They're not changing the drinks, getting passed around that night.
2: Uh, very true they now they now don't want you to call it the cocktail party because they've said that for so many years so i just call it the don't call it the cocktail party game so you like the don't call it the cocktail party game why do you like the gators with those points
0: i i think it comes down to coaching i there's no doubt if you line these guys up now florida's got talent let's not get wrong but the talent on georgia's side is is, is maybe second to nobody in the entire country. Maybe Ohio State, maybe, but the coaching discrepancy here is immeasurable. Dan Mullins knows how to build a program. Dan Mullins knows how to put together a football team, and Dan Mullins knows how to get a football team ready to play. And in the game, in the middle of the fight, Dan knows how to make adjustments like nobody I have ever seen in my life. And Kirby Smart, outside of being an unbelievable recruiter, just can get talent from anywhere in the world, and these guys are freak athletes. They're going to beat you coming off the bus. They just are. But if he's not playing from the front, if he doesn't have a massive lead, and this game gets close late, that man has screwed up in-game coaching decisions (laughs) so badly on the biggest stages and on the smallest stages. Yes, we all remember the national championship games and the SEC title games where he fumbled it away against Alabama, just looking like a fool. And everybody's saying, how do you lose this game, Kirby? What what possibly could you do? But then he takes this team of just athletes, just freak phenomenon specimens, and they lose to a third-string quarterback between those beautiful hedges that they have in Sanford Stadium. How on earth does that happen? It's all because I don't believe he knows how to get guys prepared, and I absolutely do not believe he knows how to make adjustments in games. And, and I think Florida is going to play him close. And if this game is close in the third or fourth quarter, I think Dan Mullins is going to win this game outright. I, and there's a chance that if Dan can stick it to him, ooh. Dan Dan's a little little petty. Oh, There, is, gonna stick it to
2: there is still some hatred. Some hatred. There is still a lot of hatred between Florida and Georgia, including Georgia really owning this rivalry for much of the 2010s uh, here, head-to-head against the Gators. And there are a lot of Gator fans. You know this about me. Uh, I was saying on you guys' show uh, when you had me on that I, I know a lot of different Gators that are going to head there early and are going to be lathered by Friday night. Forget about Saturday morning. Forget about Saturday afternoon. Uh, for this one. They may forget about the whole weekend um, intellectually and uh, from an alcohol consumption standpoint, but Hey, Florida uh, able to uh, do well against the number. I had them a couple of weeks ago on Three Dog Thursday at LSU. They were right in the game. They're winning in the second half. It ends up being a one-point loss. I I had them at 13. Uh, They end up losing by 14 in that game because LSU was able to get uh, enough stops in the fourth quarter, including stopping Florida with about a minute and a half left. Stopped them on third and goal, stopped them on fourth and goal when they had a chance to get in the end zone and maybe cover. I like what Mullen has done with the offense. I'm looking at this game strongly when I make uh, the picks coming up, and and really, this is—I said this on uh, you guys on the Winning Cures Everything podcast and YouTube show. This is like the pro wrestling loser-leave-town match that they always used to have in in wrestling, because the loser here is not only out of the picture for the national title, but you can say goodbye to the SEC title game because the tiebreak because the the uh, the the winner here is essentially up by a game and a half. They got to lose twice at the end of the season here that's not going to happen right so this is loser leaves town
0: yeah not only is it not going to happen it would be really shocking for one of these teams to lose twice after this game but florida's got a couple of non-cons
2: after the game so
0: they could even lose those and they don't affect the sec rankings i mean they still get to play florida state later and uh and and so that game's not going to affect or hurt the sec standings um so yeah i'm with you i I think it is a loser leaves town match and and i just I'm always gonna take the better coach team. I know that the other team has more talent. Uh it's not like Florida's running scrubs out there though. Those guys those guys are gonna gonna play on Sundays too.
2: So There you go. All right. should be a knockdown drag out game in Jacksonville. Um, one other one, just touch on Oregon-USC because I'm going to be out west. I'm going to be in Seattle with the Buccaneers. We leave on Friday. We're out there. Again, I convey this to people all the time because I'm out west some. i got a lot of friends in western markets. They care tremendously about the Pac-12. They care tremendously about USC and rivalry games when they play teams like Arizona State, when they play Stanford, when they play Washington, when they play Oregon. Those always get amped up. And in those markets, they care more because it's USC. And USC gets this game at home. Oregon still somewhat alive, maybe, for the college football playoff. If they run the table, they win the Pac-12 title game. The only loss is to an Auburn team out of the SEC all the way at the beginning of the year. Uh, a quick thought from you. I'm not saying you got to take USC as the underdog. But a quick thought from you on this matchup here and the and the significance in the Pac-12.
0: Oh, well, I just have a philosophy this year about the Pac-12. Th- there's no rhyme or reason. If you think you've got a metric or an algorithm to tell you what these teams should do, Gary talks to me all the time. He's a super numbers guy, and, and, and I like to watch the games and figure things out. And, and I'm going to tell you, there are no numbers to help you figure anything out in the Pac-12. I have done extremely well the last three or four weeks, <laughs> just basically betting on every underdog. And this is not because I'm on an underdog show. I'm saying this. I bet every underdog in the Pac-12, and they cover immensely. And most of them, over 50% of them usually, are winning outright. I just don't think that the Pac-12, I think they're cannibalizing themselves worse than any conference we may have ever seen in modern-time football.
2: Well, and again, USC is one of those teams. I had them. I know I keep saying I, 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 but I had them against Notre Dame. I thought they'd keep it close. Uh, they did. You you look at Oregon. They have struggled to cover the number. They are the favorite here. So we're just putting this out here uh, for consumption. They play last week against Washington State at home, laying 14 and a half and had to have a last second field goal to win that game. They, they laid 21 at home with Cal, did not cover it uh, to your point. Um. So, yeah, there, there have been some Pac-12 doggies that have been coming through so far this season. We'll see what happens with that one in the Coliseum. Can USC mess it up for them? Before we get to the NFL, I need a quick comment from you. You and Gary are based in Memphis, in the Mid-South. And college game day is coming to Memphis the first time ever for the football show. They've been there for the for the basketball show, but this is the full on three hours of college game day live from Beale Street from downtown in Memphis. We expect to a wild SMU Memphis high scoring game Saturday night. I know we're midweek, but Chris Gianini, what about this and the significance of this?
0: Well, it's huge for the city. I want to say that. I think it's incredible. I love that they're doing it from Beale Street. Uh, Memphis is a commuter school, doesn't have a really big, massive campus. Uh, the football stadium is not on campus already. While they have um, boosted up what's called Tiger Lane, which is a huge tailgate area and parking area, um, and, and the school kind of wanted them to do it from Tiger Lane, showcase, hey, we spent all this money, we've made this thing, and our football program's been really good the last couple of years. you got to do it from Bill Street. Nationwide, everybody wants to see those lights. They want to see those sight lines. That is Memphis. That is the heart and soul of Memphis. and uh, and Outside of having to get around that stuff tonight, maybe in the rain to go see Elton, I'm I'm really excited to see how it's going to end up coming down. And Gary and I have been fortunate enough to build a relationship with the Bear, Chris Felica, on game day. He's been on our podcast a couple of times. A little bit of name drop there. He's going to go to lunch with us Friday afternoon, and I'm excited about that and uh, getting to hang out with him. He's getting us a couple of vip passes not really sure what that means i don't know i don't, I don't, oh, I don't know any i think i stuff.
2: know i think i know what that means you can be in and around him and in and around where that stage is and all that so we have got to see some social media photographs video and this kind of stuff when you're around uh chris felica who's one of the producers and stat guys for espn's game day the bears he's known for making the making the predictions but yeah, this is going to be some scene, and then again, as the follow-up, they are doing the game, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, most of the country, in fact, all the country is going to see it on ABC, it's not a split feed. That's, right. uh, so That's huge for Memphis. That, And that That's is another, it's huge. like two commercials. It's a three-hour commercial yeah. during the morning, and then it's another three, three and a half hours at night in primetime uh, for this matchup, so... Uh, yeah it's going to be it's going to be something else all right so uh with all of that being said the nfl quick thought or two from Christianini winning cures everything podcast about the national football league uh here and maybe even an underdog what do you what do you like where are you looking what do you like for this week
0: so so i love my college plays and i and i get all excited and i got passionate about them and i feel very strongly about them in the nfl i'm gonna go with a little bit of Neither one of these teams are great. One of them has looked really good all year. The other one has looked like trash. But I think the number is just too big right now. Washington is going up to Buffalo. Washington's a bad football team, okay? They're, they're not a good team. But they're playing hard. They've made the coaching change. Interim coach is is is, is getting these guys fired up. Listen, he's getting Adrian Peterson the ball. That's probably offensively the best thing you could do. And uh, Case Keenum protects the ball, doesn't turn it over quite a bit. I like Washington catching nine and a half points. I don't think Washington's really got a chance to win this game. I I might be shocked. I could be wrong. I think the Buffalo Bills are a pretty good football team. I've liked them all year. I bet on them most weeks when they played. Done pretty well doing that. But I think their offense has flaws. I think this defense can slow that offense down. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. You just can't lay double digits, close to double digits every week in the NFL. At some point in time, it's just going to catch up to them. And uh and so I- I'm I'm gonna take the Redskins this week plus nine and a half going to Buffalo.
2: Interesting that they had the Thursday night game, so they've had extra time off here. Buffalo beaten on the weekend by Philadelphia at home. Will we see Dwayne Haskins at the time that Chris and I are taping this for Three Dog Thursday? We don't know Case Keenum uh, on his status fully. He's been banged up. Uh, Is Haskins going to play some? Is he maybe going to start? You mentioned Adrian Peterson, uh, who's still running hard. Bill Callahan is the interim coach, who's the former Raiders coach the former Nebraska head coach. Let's see if Washington comes up with a solid performance or not against a Buffalo offense that hasn't been that good. So it's a good point that you make there about the Bills uh, in that spot. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, My Buccaneers, again, traveling to Seattle in the NFL. Six-point underdogs in Seattle. Which bucks? Will show up. Will Jameis Winston get it back together this week? We will find out. We know that these guys have it together. It is the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Uh, Chris Giannini, p- uh, plug away again for what you and Gary do every week on your show and where listeners can find you and how they can find you. Go ahead, sir.
0: Yes, sir. We break down all the, the biggest games in college and the pros as best we can, and uh, we make picks on both of those. We'll give you point spreads, you know, over unders uh, dogs, favorites, we bet everything, anything, money lines, whatever we like, whatever we're seeing, we tell you what we're doing. We're extremely transparent. You go to winkureseverything.com dot com. You can see every pick that we have made for the last four years. We we have no shame in showing you our losses. We'll expose ourselves to the world. Um, but, but I will tell you last couple of years, I've done pretty well in the NFL. 50, 50. <laughs> I don't like 18 year old kids. you know, they, they, they don't, you can't be trusted, but, uh, Anyway, it, it's just, it, we, we love what we do. You can find us at winningcureseverything.com. You can go to YouTube, winningcureseverything, search that, you'll find us. We're all over that place. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter at winningcures. I am personally on Twitter at ChrisWBC. I don't have anything to do with the winningcureseverything part. Uh, Twitter, that is all Gary. He is the brains, the mastermind, and does 80% of the work. I show up and run my mouth, and uh, we have a good time.
2: You guys do a great job, and again, I love the simulcast of the podcast. You not only can listen via iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, but you can see these guys on YouTube under Winning Cures Everything and their show. And again, don't sell yourself short here, young man. This guy gave us on Three Dog Thursday the Indianapolis Colts against the Kansas City Chiefs. That was an outright road win by the Colts. You gave us two weeks ago the Saints over the Bears. Again, outright road win. So be aware of his Redskins underdog pick against the Bills for this matchup in Buffalo. Again, coming off the extra rest. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Chris, I love it. Have fun with Elton John. Have fun with college game day and the Memphis SMU matchup coming on Saturday night. I always love the insight from you guys on Winning Cures. We want the fans to go find you on your show. Thank you for hanging on Three Dog Thursday. Wolf Wolf, with the underdogs, sir. sir. Uh, You're very welcome. Thanks for having us on. Have a good day. More guests coming up. We'll go live to Memphis again and Dave Woloshin who will be on the call on the Memphis radio broadcast for that game with SMU. College game day in town as well. We'll talk to Wolo coming up. Brian Edwards of BrianEdwardsSports.com and MajorWager.com with us. Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast also with us making underdog predictions. Reminder that Three Dog Thursday is also brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Whether we're talking college games or the NFL, Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app has got your tickets that uh, don't call it the cocktail party game Georgia and Florida in the SEC get your tickets through vivid seats all the way out at the Coliseum for Oregon and USC every game in between the Cowboys and the Giants Monday Night Football at the Meadowlands my Bucks in Seattle taking on the Seahawks get your tickets with vivid seats and the vivid seats mobile app our promo code is Thursday10 the the uh, word Thursday and the number 10 you take 10% off your initial order with Vivid Seats so save uh, up to $50 initial order 10% off your ticket purchase Vivid Seats has the best selection and prices 100% guarantee on your purchase use that promo code Thursday10 and take 10% off with Vivid Seats
0: Dogs are barkin Who will get it done this week?
2: Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Something fun, something different, and hey, it involves my alma mater. And oh, looky here. ESPN's College Game Day pregame show is going to originate from my hometown, the River City, the Bluff City, Beale Street, For Memphis and SMU, which is also going to be the primetime Saturday night game on ABC. And we're going to welcome in the radio play-by-play voice, long-time play-by-play voice, of the memphis tigers a guy that i go back man he and i go back now 30 years and we're not that old are we are we that old i'm not sure dave ocean wolo who also does a great job five days a week on the radio on the terrestrial radio station sports 56 whbq love his insight love more his friendship we get to kid around on and off the air uh, all right, so are you primping for your big appearance on, gay day, on game day? Are you going to be the celebrity uh, picker, or wh- uh, what's going on here for game day? Hello there.
1: I, I'm I'm sworn to secrecy. <laughs> I cannot say a word. I know nothing. Okay. Your description, by the way, of the river, the bluff, yeah. and Beale Street is absolutely perfect, because that's where it's going to be, right at the corner of Beale and D.B. King, <laughs> it used to be called Third Street. And that, that's where the stage will be. The stage will face east, so the majority of the crowd will be going toward the river because the way they do it with ESPN, the biggest part of the crowd, I guess, is behind the stage. Right. And that's where you see all the signs and everything. So you'll get views of the river and downtown. I think it's in a perfect spot because if you were to get, and I suspect they're going to get ten to 15,000, it'll look like 200,000. <laughs> Because it's a really cramped little area, and so that'll make the crowd look huge. It's going to look spectacular.
2: All right, so there have been big events in Memphis, and you have been around that town for going on 40 years. Again, I first met Dave in the late 1980s as a student. He befriended me, all-around class guy. I'm I'm done complimenting him, at least for the beginning of the interview here. I may compliment him later on. Uh, you've been around for a lot of big things. They have, uh, they have bowl games there every year. The Liberty Bowl uh, has been there, has been a, a tradition. Uh, Memphis basketball has had the number one ranked team in the country in there um, on, on more than one occasion at, at, for a huge basketball game, ESPN televising everywhere. People might re- remember or, or not really realize this, Mike Tyson had a heavyweight title fight with Lennox Lewis at the Pyramid in Memphis, and that was a big deal. All of that being said, here we are circa 2019. How big of a deal is it that ESPN is coming and doing essentially a four-hour commercial for Memphis, the Memphis football program, and being there live last, like this is going to be? Give me some insight on how big is this, Wolo?
1: Well, it's huge. It's, it's certainly the most hyped, the most publicized, the biggest national spotlight on the Memphis football program in history. I'm not going to say it's the biggest game. There are other breakthrough games. You can go back to the 60s, 1963, Memphis's only uh, unbeaten year where they finished 9-0-1. They played Ole Miss, which is ranked second in the country to the famous 0-0 tie. <laughs> and and um, no, seriously, that helped not only to put college football Memphis on the map, but it helped to build in the South uh, bigger and bigger football love. And and so there have been games in the 60s and the 70s that were superb, that were uh, the, the kind of things that really built your program and built the sport. But since then, and if you go back 10 years ago, to the infamous Tommy West speech where he said, either invest in your program or or shut it down. And they fired him, and and that was his response, basically, because he said it was a fist fight every day just to stay alive. They did invest. I mean, as soon as they fired him, they brought in Larry Porter. That was a mistake of a hire, but it wasn't a mistake to double or triple your assistant coach's salary. So they started getting better people here, and honestly, Larry Porter was a good recruiter, not a very good coach, but an excellent recruiter, and the, uh, the the products that he brought in were then made a team by Justin Fuente, and now Mike norvell's taken it further but to, again, to answer your question, the most publicized the biggest hype game in the history of the program, and clearly it will elevate this this program to
2: another height. And SMU is part of the equation because they have had an amazing turnaround, resurgent uh, season from so many years of being dormant. They were obviously famous or infamous in the 80s and eventually got the death penalty with all the success they had, but also with paying of players. So that, I mean, that shouldn't be lost on this. It's part of the subplot here that that SMU, it's a big part of the subplot that SMU is undefeated and this is a very uh, significant game. So um, it, it's just wild that this is the way that it works out, but it shows the magic uh, of what happens when circumstance comes together, when opportunity comes together, uh, with with timing and a big entity looking for a place to do the pregame show. So that's uh, that's another part of this, well, uh, that's too. Yeah, go uh, ahead. I, I think
1: that, that, honestly, if we examine this, and you listen to what Reese Davis has said along the way here in the last couple of days, the biggest storyline was SMU. I mean, they're going to make a big deal about how this program is undefeated and that has been rebuilt from the ashes of the death penalty in the 80s. There, there's no question that is their biggest draw. And this is the team that's ranked 15th in the country. This is the undefeated team. And Davis clearly said, you mentioned circumstance, if Jacob Rainey, the Tulsa kicker, doesn't yank it left to win the game against Memphis, it wouldn't be here. He basically said, if the kicker makes the kick, they're going to the cocktail party in Jacksonville, Florida. He misses the fact that they've <laughs> never been to Memphis uh, for a football game day. They've been here three times for a basketball game day. They like coming here, right? But this is the first football one, which is you know what's amazing? This is their seventy third. Uh, it's the 88th different city,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, it's the 73rd different locale. It's weird. But and, that's how and, it works.
2: And they did the first one. I saw this the other night. They did the first one for the Florida State Notre Dame game, 1993, and I believe that was number one against number two. Florida State was definitely number one. I can't remember if Notre Dame was number two. That's the first one that they did back now, uh, going on some 26 years ago. So they, they have well, they, been they, everywhere with this show, including last week, what was it, North Dakota State and South Dakota yeah. State. And they've been yeah. at James Madison, and they've been in the Palouse at Washington State. They've been all over the place with this pregame show, and now it will be featuring Memphis. And and that's why we've got Dave Woloshan on, on, on the Three Dog Thursday podcast here, uh, talking all about this. You mentioned impact. What What are the Memphis... Uh, athletic officials and administration believing the impact will be when this is all said and done in terms of attention, possible uh, revenue down the road, donation down the road. What's the educated guess? What are they talking about?
1: You know, I, I don't know the financials on it. I just know that, as you mentioned earlier, this is a three hour in the morning commercial for the city. And in the evening, with Herb Street and Fowler <laughs> and Maria Taylor. It is another three, three-and-a-half to four-hour commercial for the program. So they're going to be filling off the city. You know what? I've just been thinking about it. I'll bet you Jimmy Smith could be the guest picker, or Caitlin McGee could be the guest picker. <laughs> for the new TV show. Right, the new TV they're show. They're here for, yeah, a Bluff City Law, which is NBC's. It's it's gaining a little bit, but uh, they, they have not ordered more than the 10 episodes, so we're all on edge about that. Because look, look what Nashville did for the city of Nashville on ABC, and we were all hoping this would be a conduit for positive growth in the city with this NBC show. But I, you know what? It could be for the guest picker, when we're talking about um, elevating the, the public image. It could be Justin Timberlake. It could be a combination of Penny with uh, Little Penny, Chris Rock coming, <laughs> who knows? We're, we're all sitting on edge. I, I promise you it won't be me. That that would be a big disappointment for the entire nation. But, no, it, it, it's just a commercial. And, and honestly, I, I don't know if there's financial ramification, but I think that there is absolutely recruiting ramification. And, you know what, this is like the fifth game in five years now that ABC has done a Memphis game. The others have been in the 11 o'clock time slot, not in the prime time slot. But this program, since Fuente changed the culture, has really been on this upward climb. It, they've won 52 games. Since 2014, that's the 12th most in college football.
2: About that. Voice of Dave Will Ocean hanging with me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast for a few more minutes. We're talking about my alma mater, Memphis and SMU getting ready to play Saturday night. You mentioned uh, Fuente and Paxton Lynch and ABC televising all over the country. The the stunning upset of Ole Miss. It was Ole Miss top 10. They were at least top 15 that day at the Liberty Bowl when Memphis, I believe, scored 31 unanswered points and beat them on national TV. So the Tigers have had some some big moments even recently here, and now they'll be on the biggest stage. I liken it, what was it, about two years ago, or was it three years ago, where Temple got good? Temple had been so bad for so long, they got good, they got in the national conversation, and game day came to Philadelphia for Temple and Notre Dame. And why not? It's Notre Dame. And and they were there for game day, and they showed the Temple-Notre Dame game all over the country on ABC. So essentially, if you establish your if you're a big enough story with a big enough storyline with your opponent, et cetera, et cetera, the circumstances can work out, and it has here in this entrance. Okay, so same kind of question. How big a deal for the American conference do you believe that this is to be featured like this and have that primetime game, Willow? Well,
1: it's it's huge. It, it, it's And I was going to go there, so we, we are thinking alike. hmm If you look at the national perception of those that are casual college football fans, they think the American is all about UCF, and for good reason. UCF has dominated the league, gone to all the championship games, had that perfect season under O'Leary, and then went and bottomed out, and Scott Frost brought them back. Uh, And and, um, they're still really good. They've only lost one conference game in like three years. So... People think this is the league, but you mentioned Temple's already had a, a, a college game day thanks to Notre Dame, but it was in Philly, and now here's two other teams to go along with it. You know, not to mention Navy, not to mention the uh, uh, emergence of even a Tulane in, into the realms of being really good. So, uh, if USF started to do their part, that would that would help out as well. But this is this is a league where you can make an argument. I think that beyond the SEC and the Big Ten, it's as good as the other Power Five leagues. And this is proof positive. This is, again, just like we said earlier, both the morning show and the evening game are all big commercials for the American.
2: No doubt about that. And UCF has obviously reaped a lot of financial benefit, uh, enrollment, donation from the success that they have had winning in this conference, winning the Peach Bowl. We even left out Houston in this argument because, remember, Tom Herman had them in the Peach Bowl and they beat Florida State. So the American has had some credibility. Uh, They have a they they have a TV deal, obviously, with ESPN. Uh, And and so this is this is all part of that. It's all wrapped into one thing and it will be part of. Uh, of this game uh that's upcoming all right so I saw some of SMU earlier in the year when they boat raced uh USF in Tampa University of South Florida in-, in Tampa they also escaped against Tulsa just like Memphis did they came roaring from behind to beat uh Tulsa just give me a minute or so on the matchup here a minute or two on the matchup because it should and a lot of the country again is going to see this game it should be fascinating to watch this unfold give me a little bit on the matchup Willow.
1: Well, I, I think ESPN should say it, send Jacob Laney a thank-you note for this exciting day because the Tulsa kicker missed three field goals. Actually, he, he only missed two uh, and an extra point, and then the backup came in in overtime and missed another field goal, which is why they lost in triple overtime. Um can you imagine missing 10 points? That's why SMU right. is undefeated and here. And then, of course, the kid missed two kicks <laughs> and had one blocked against <laughs> Memphis. So, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about six field goals and an extra point thanks to Tulsa kickers. Wow. Um, that's how this game is on this stage. But it, it's going to be a lot of offense, I think. I don't think either defense is outstanding. 500 yards per game for SMU. And uh, for the U of M, they will counter with 470 yards per game. The Tigers are going to average about 40 points a game. The Mustangs are going to average 43 points a game. So we're, we're talking about a lot of, oh, they got a great quarterback and a kid named Sean Bichel. If you don't know yep. who he is, his dad was a major league baseball player. And the kid is averaging about 290 yards per game. He's a transfer, a graduate transfer. He's got two years of eligibility this year and next. Uh, and, and he came from Texas. And, and now you you got Memphis got Brady White with very similar numbers. Uh, both have thrown for 20 touchdowns this year. Brady White is also a transfer. He's going to get six years. He's the only guy I've ever heard of. Maybe you know better because you're doing this national college mm-hmm. football show. Tell me a player who's ever gotten his doctorate degree all from scholarships from playing football. He's a, he, he got a sixth year. He'll be back next year. He's only a junior. Kid's got over five thousand yards here already in a year and a half. He's he's really fun to watch. People. Questions on a little bit. I, I don't think that's an issue at all if there's going to be a critique on him. His feet are not the fastest. He has trouble getting out of the way sometimes, and this, this is a pretty darn good team when it comes to sacking SMU. That could be a key is the protection of Brady White for Memphis. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to believe, but SMU on the year has 36 sacks That's by far the most we've seen. I think they lead the nation uh, in in sacks. But it's going to be an offensive game. It it really is. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
2: Uh, That's well said on that point. Again, it's a big showcase for the city of Memphis. Uh, for the alma mater, uh, my my former Memphis State University, what's now the University of Memphis. They made my diploma collector's item, as I often joke with Wolo on and off the air. Uh, well, you get a
1: free one if you try to swap. I don't have say, any
2: interest. I didn't graduate from the University of Memphis. I've told you that before. I graduated from Memphis State University. Why would I want to swap? I know the school I graduated from, but I digress. In any event, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this football game. Uh, you know my situation. I am headed out to Seattle with the Tampa. Tampa. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I've got to lock in on Saturday evening uh, in Seattle with all else that's going on. They're going to be big on the Pac-12 out there because Oregon and USC is going on at the same time. So I'm going to try to convert some of them and say, wait a minute, you should be paying attention to Memphis and SMU here in the national game that's on ABC uh, at the same time as, uh, as all of this plays out for, for you, you you're going to be on the radio uh doing uh, two or three hours of pregame with your colleagues there on the memphis radio broadcast what what is this going to be like because again you've done a lot of huge things this man uh broadcasted the final four in the national championship game for memphis against kansas you've done bowl games you've done big game what is this going to be like in this kind of atmosphere at home game day there all of that what's it like for you
1: it'll be a lot more relaxed than when i was young i have to tell you this story before we go Before Lee Corso, so this is much earlier than 32 years ago, because Corso has been a part of game day for 32 years. Um, Before he became a big star, he and I did a game in Montgomery, Alabama. It was the Senior Bowl. And the day before the game, I jumped down from the stadium there, from the first row down to the field, which was a pretty good drop. I'm very young in those days and had no problems, I thought, until I landed and broke my foot. I, I then had to do the game the next day on crutches. And um I'll never forget Corso. He was very, very, very nice and very funny about it, he mentioned it several times on the air about how I was playing in pain. But I was nervous for that one. This one I will be relaxed. It'll be good to see. Fowler and Herb Street. I, I've never met Herb Street. I've met Fowler before because I had done a bunch of uh, ESPN stuff. And um, I, I really believe that, you know, if Memphis wins the game, then the door is open for the New Year's Day six, which this year is the Cotton Bowl. And I would love to see Jerry's World and to play a Georgia or a Notre Dame or whatever Power Five team bay uh, that, that is really good that they will put in as an opponent. That, that would be great. If they don't win and they were to win the rest of the way or most of the games, they have a shot to go back uh, to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Cause I, I don't think there's going to be enough SEC teams that will be eligible for that side of the uh, AutoZone Liberty Bowl, which means Memphis would play a big 12 team, which is the league that if there is ever another falling of the dominoes and reshuffling, Memphis would probably get into the big 12 if there's going to be power five expansion. So that would be okay too. I, I think Memphis is in great shape. Just to get this onto this stage is a win. And so really, honestly, it's house money. I'm relaxed.
2: Should be a lot of fun. Uh, and again, a great showcase uh, as they come in for ESPN College Game Day live pregame show for, I believe it's, it's now, what, three hours, three full hours, nine to noon, uh, that they're on yeah. there rocking along. Uh, 8, well, to, 11 8 a. M. to 11 a.m. Is, is anybody yeah. going to go to bed overnight, Friday night? I guess we're going to find out. Uh, and then it's going to be a long day. Might have to catch a quick nap before the game on Saturday night uh, at the Liberty Bowl Stadium. Dave Woloshin, thank you. I always love getting the chance to mix it up with you. We do that on your show weekly uh, in Memphis. But uh, on certain occasions, I bring you on, on the podcast. And, and how could I not have you on when game day's there for Memphis and SMU? It should be a blast. We look forward to it. Thank Thank you, sir.
1: I I, I love big you. I got one suggestion for you as, you know, sort of like a parent looking after their son.
2: Yeah. Although I know
1: your father has done a great job. Mm -hmm. But when you negotiate the next time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're going to Seattle this week. You've been to London. I think you should go by the mile. I think that should be the negotiation (laughs) point. Well, the mic?
2: I would I would be in the black if that were the case right now, having yeah, gone to L.A., sure. having gone to London and now going to Seattle and back and all of that since we've played a game at home about 20 minutes from my house. So we got to we got to uh, work on the NFL schedule, at least in the future. But I like that. Thank you for the uh, for the negotiating tip. Have fun. I, I want to see if there's a WOLO sign. They're famous for having all the signs back behind the stage. I want to see if there's a WOLO sign. You know you've made it. We know the Washington State flag's there every week, whether they're, whether they're right. in. Right. Will a WOLO sign make an appearance this week on game day? We'll have to tune in and uh, and find out. Dave Woloshin, thank you on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you, sir.
1: You got it, my friend.
2: Rolling along, had to bring him back. Here he is from uh, Brianedwardsports.com MajorWager.com. Love the insight on the spreads, and in particular the underdogs, because he got both of his last week. Uh, kudos uh, to Brian for coming up with both on Three Dog Thursday uh, last weekend. Nice job by him. So he's he's back. He's Brian Edwards with me on Three Dog Thursday. How you feeling, brother?
3: I'm doing
2: great, TJ. What's happening, man? Uh, listen, it's all about trying to get these underdogs correct. You said to us Eastern Michigan, yes, it went to overtime, but yes, it is an underdog cover uh, with the 4.5 points in their matchup. And you liked Oklahoma State, and how about an outright road win in the Big 12 for them as a 10-point underdog? You were golden last week. I came up with the Big 12 doggy in the TCU uh, froggies, so we did all right with the college football last week. And now that brings us to this week. And I, I had to bring you back on because you're big on this Florida-Georgia game, the don't call it the cocktail party game, as we keep saying here on the podcast. And this thing is still hovering at around six or six and a half points midweek. So the first question I have to you is, does that surprise you that that spread is still there for Georgia?
3: I, I mean, TJ, I'm, I'm floored. I'm shocked by it when on Sunday, uh, no, Circus Sports, the new spot in Vegas opened six and a half. But by the time I had one of my accounts posting college games Sunday night, um, it was down to three and a half. And I still thought that was a gift. And I bought it to four. I kind of consider four a key number, like three, seven, and ten, just, you know, 28, 24, 17, 13, what have you. And I bought it to four – thinking this was the best number i was going to get and then i wake up monday and i was <laughs> i was stunned i mean i'm i'm just i don't understand it because georgia has played so poorly lately and i mean remember they were down 14 to 13 with less than two minutes left at tennessee three games ago then they lose outright to south carolina when they knocked Polinski out in the second quarter and south carolina had to play a third string quarterback who had never had any significant play in time they south carolina goes scoreless in the second half they get an interception to start the first possession of the first ot and then they miss a chip shot field goal to win it i mean it was like south carolina had everything against it and was even trying to hand it to georgia in athens and they wouldn't even take it And then the next week, there's zip, zip, (laughs) midway through the third quarter with Kentucky. Granted, it was raining, but Georgia, you know, coming into the year, I mean, I thought Jake Fromm would develop chemistry with, it's obviously an enormously inexperienced wide receiver group, but it's talented, a lot of four stars, Uh, even Demetrius Robertson was a five star before he went to Cal and then transferred back to his home state, but you know, I thought with Fromm's experience and just he's so good that they would gel more as this season has progressed. It's been the opposite. They weren't bad in September, and now they've just got nothing going offensively. And the Gators are getting healthier. Jabari, and Zun- Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Greenart, the edge rushers, two of the best in the country. Uh, Zuniga gets, sprains his ankle against Kentucky, doesn't play for three games. Tried to go against LSU for a little while. Couldn't do it. Sat out the South Carolina game, but he's been practicing all week. good to go. Greenard got hurt against Auburn. Couldn't go after, like, the first series against LSU. He's good to go. And then Kadarius Toney, perhaps the most explosive playmaker, whether it be special teams, uh, running the Wildcat, lining up at running back, receiver, whatever. He's back for the first time since week two. So, I just – I don't get it. I think Florida's going to win outright um if it's number six and a half i don't think you'll need it but just in case probably want to buy it to that key number seven but i think you get on the money line now for money management purposes obviously more plus the points but i don't think you can turn down a chance to get plus 190 or better on florida on the money line and i I took a long time to tell you about it but there you go
2: I like I like all of that. Uh, one of our guests that was on earlier before you, Chris Giannini of the Winning Cures Everything podcast, he said this game comes down to coaching. And I take Dan Mullen uh, 10 times out of 10 here to make the in-game adjustments that Kirby Smart does not make. How big of a factor do you think that is in this matchup that Mullen's ability to X and O and adjust later on may be the deciding factor in Florida's favor if you're going Florida?
3: Yeah, I I agree on Mullen, the better coach in-game, X's and O's, the way you pointed out. Now, if you're talking about how to run an overall program, recruit, etc., obviously Kirby, one of the best in the biz on the recruiting trail, so uh, who's the better coach overall is, is I might even lean Kirby a little bit, but uh, that's a different conversation. We're just talking about X's and O's in one game, and, and I agree I agree with you and your previous guest. I, I think it's Mullen for sure, and I'll, I will point out uh, only six games as an underdog since he got to Florida, but four one-and-one one against the spread and four outright wins. Now, that's calling the LSU Florida game a push it depends on what line you got you know some books were 13 and a half I I thought it was 14 at most so that's why I give him a push on that one from earlier in the year
2: All right, and again, uh, we should make mention of this. Brian is based in and around the Atlanta uh, area right now. I'm in Florida, although I'm three hours away from Jacksonville. Uh, They have renewed this series to continue on. There had been some talk that it might only be played there a couple more times, and then it might go back to campus sites again. I didn't think that was very realistic, Brian, so they've renewed the series to continue through like 2023, 2024, something like that. It is some scene as regular season games go, rivalry games go. Yes, Texas, Oklahoma, every year in Dallas on the neutral field is some scene. This is right up there, isn't it, my friend? No doubt
3: about it. And my sister has an extra ticket for me, but I've traveled two out of the last four weeks, and I'm leaning toward not going and the eye candy is something to behold when you're doing laps around the stadium pregame and that that counts the girls in red and black and orange
2: and blue how about that love that part all right so you got that matchup you got florida that you love you told me that you only have one other underdog you really love and it's in college football who is that doggy brian edwards and why
3: it's the virginia tech Hokies, and they're plus 17 and a half at notre dame now, look, if you saw Vatek play in September and thought they were garbage, I get it. I understand. Um, but, look, they've changed quarterbacks. And, hey, it, it did seem like in late September, early October, that that Justin Fuente's stock was fading really fast. They've had a lot of guys go to the transfer portal. Uh, um, you know, that last year was a little bit of a disappointment after a nice start post-Beamer. But uh he went to Hendon Hooker, the sophomore, as his new starting QB in the Miami game. Right. And they put up forty-two. They have that shootout. And they're three and oh since there. Since then, Hooker had seven touchdown passes without an interception. He's a guy that can move as well. He's got 156 rushing yards and one touchdown. Uh Virginia Tech is a road underdog under Fuente. They're four and two straight up and against the spread, so there are six games and an underdog. They've won four outright, then two non-covers, and if we go back further, pre-Cuente, Virginia Tech, nine and four against the spread as a road dog since 2013, and we just saw Notre Dame look like garbage here to a game they were probably gunning for, so even though they lost and I guess you could say, their bounce-back mode, you might make an argument they're kind of in a letdown scenario as well, because obviously their college football playoff hopes were dashed by a second L especially lot sided fashion so i think vortex to play here plus 17 and a half um yeah I like the hookies
2: a lot here. Well, and, and you just made mention there at the very end, Notre Dame got beaten up, I think, physically in that game with Michigan, too. So that'll be interesting how they respond a week later. Uh And Fuente has always been the quarterback whisperer. We were talking earlier in this podcast about Memphis and how they're being featured as part of ESPN's College Game Day pregame show. Yes, SMU is a big part of the draw at 8 0, but Memphis has been solid as a football program ever since Fuente turned them around. And he's done a great job with quarterback quarterbacks uh going all the way back to working with andy dalton as a coordinator at tcu and then paxton lynch at memphis so they have found something uh here at the quarterback position maybe to keep it close you're not saying necessarily to win the game but 17 and a half just too juicy for virginia tech in that afternoon game
3: right and i mean i won't be shocked if they're you know one possession game in the fourth quarter and, and they're in it and uh you you pointed out uh and accurately that Notre Dame a little, might be a little physically beaten up. I, I forgot to mention, uh, Vortex had two weeks to prepare as well. So another little, little feather in the cap that, that the Hokies had been dialed in on, on the Fighting Irish for two weeks now prepping for this one.
2: All right, so that is the matchup coming uh, in South Bend. we got games all over the place uh, that are interesting, and so Brian does it all, not just underdogs. Favorites, totals, money lines, I love it. Uh, again, plug away where they can find your stuff, Brian Edwards, here, uh, because uh, fans are going to be very interested in what you write and what you also put out there on video, etc., in addition to what they're hearing here on Three Dog Thursday. Fire away.
3: All right, so uh my Twitter handle at VegasB Edwards. You can find my writing at Vegasinsider.com. I'll have a Florida Georgia preview up by Friday. I also uh the YouTube channel for majorwager.com. I've got my UFC two forty-four preview up on majorwager.com's uh homepage. If you want to follow Major Wager's Twitter account, it's at MajorWager uno and do i have a just a brief second to slip a couple of ufc underdogs to you I need Give me, to uh, hey
2: you why not we rarely have this but if, if they're underdogs fire away with those as well that's a that's a rare treat for the audience maybe a bonus if they're looking at ufc sure
3: so nate diaz in the main event against jorge masvidal is a plus 140 underdog Um, I think that Masvidal's got better punching power, but Nate's only been finished once in 30-plus career fights. He's got a great chin, and Masvidal's got good cardio, but but Nate Diaz's cardio is an elite, elite level. So I think if he can withstand the early barrage from Masvidal, the longer the fight goes, I think Nate's constant pressure will wear him out, and I think Nate will cash – as a plus-140 underdog. I'll throw another <laughs> one out at you. Uh, in, in Kevin Lee, who is plus-160 dog against Grigor Gillespie now, uh, he, he's going back down to 155. he had been at 170. So he's got to make this weight cut that he had been struggling with. So I don't really want to commit to it until I see what he looks like on Friday and how tough his weight cut was. But if his weight cut goes well, if he makes it to 155, pretty easily. I think Kevin Lee at around plus 160 is worth a look as well. UFC 244 MSG NYC pay-per-view on Saturday night.
2: How about that? Now, uh, we're also interested in the boxing. I also do a boxing podcast, separate podcast, Big Fight Weekend podcast. We're previewing the Canelo Alvarez-Sergey Kovalev Worldwide Heavyweight title fight. A lot of people are all over uh, Canelo, uh, who is favored to win, something like a 5-1 to favorite to win. A big move up in wait for him. There'll be a lot of interest in this in Las Vegas. So listen to this. We're talking not only college football underdogs with Brian Edwards, but he stuck in some UFC underdogs. I sneak in some boxing. We're diversified, my friend, here on the podcast on trying to straighten everybody out, right?
3: I, I love it, man, but I got to leave the boxing to you, brother, because I- <laughs> <laughs> that's just not my – I mean, don't get me wrong. I love watching boxing, um, especially when you have in- interesting characters. And I think we have some with – Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and and Ruiz. I think the heavyweight division is finally exciting again. Gosh, for the first time since what? Like Holyfield and Riddick Bowe. You might be uh, right.
2: And Lennox Lewis and that group in the 90s. You might be right with some interest later in the year. Listen, I love your stuff. Again, Brian dot MajorWager.com. Not just underdogs, favorites, and much more. I always love your insight. Thank you for popping on again on Three Dog Thursday. You were two for two in college last week. Let's see if you go two for two again. Thank you, Brian. I hope so. TJ,
3: thanks for having me, brother. Have a weekend.
2: Three Dog Thursday does roll on again wherever you have found the show via the social media link through Red Circle Podcasting. Subscribe away, as I like to say, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you get those podcasts, subscribe away. It's the easiest way for the podcast to come to you on Thursday with all of the underdogs and rate and review it. It'll move up in the rankings when you rate and review the podcast. So thank you for that. And thank you to our next guest for rejoining me. I always love his insight. He actually took a well-deserved week off last week because he went from Southern California, his current home, back to his home area, his home state. Uh, you, you had a, a family wedding uh, and you also did a little comedy club work, and I think you probably even squeezed in some football picks in and around on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Sean Green, multi-talented, multi-faceted, is back with me on Three Dog Thursday. How you feeling?
4: I'm feeling great. Yeah, it was a nice trip back to the East Coast. Got to enjoy some real pizza, uh, which is always a <laughs> treat. You don't get that out here in uh, Los Angeles. But yeah, my brother's wedding, that went well. Comedy uh, club was awesome. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just good to see some old friends and, uh, have a couple drinks and yeah, it was
2: awesome. Okay. So confession time, you had the rehearsal dinner, you had the wedding going on. Were you trying to sneak yeah. scores on your phone, if not video <laughs> on your phone of the picks as the, as the wedding? I mean, first of all, you're not supposed to get married in the fall anyway, because of football season, your brother chooses to do that. So were you having to sneak some peeks at the scores? Come on, confess, let's go.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, Penn State, one of the uh one of the dogs I wasn't, you know, they weren't a dog uh, last week. But um yeah, I mean, or or the week of his uh his wedding, but yeah, I thought uh man, Penn State against uh, Michigan, they were they were up like uh 28-7 or something when I was looking at it and then <laughs> checked later and Michigan had backdoored them, so that was, you know, it's always you don't want to be the guy watching the game on GameCast. <laughs> uh, that was always frustrating. <laughs> I was actually doing that on the uh, since we flew back on a Saturday as well. I assumed uh, Southwest would have uh, NBC, so I'd be able to watch Michigan Notre Dame, but uh, unfortunately they didn't. So again, I was just refreshing on GameCast. And
2: oh. You want to
4: freaks you you want to freak someone out on a on a plane? Just start yelling at. Uh, Indiscriminately, right? right. Yeah, indiscriminately
2: for no reason, just yell out, right? Yes.
4: <laughs> Go! Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> God, scares,
2: wait, scares wait! I smell it! I smell it! It could be part of a Sean Green future comedy bit about yelling out on the airplane <laughs> with the scores I know that is uh, uh, yeah. That could
4: could make it a newer. As long
2: as you didn't have a pilot come visit you and threaten to emergency land the plane if you did not continue to, if you did not knock off continuing to bellow out uh, during the games, and you were probably good uh, on that. Uh, All right. So, uh, again, when we've had this man on, he's been rolling along with underdogs, especially in the NFL. So, pay attention to the underdogs when the NFL picks are coming around. We'll start first. With college here, you told me you've got one college game that you like. So, what is that college game? Where do you where do you want to begin with some underdog selection, Sean?
4: Give me the uh, Virginia Tech Hokies catching seventeen and a half points against Notre Dame. <laughs> I, I just don't understand where all this respect for Notre Dame is coming. I think that was a very uh, disappointing loss for uh, Notre Dame and uh, against Michigan. And you know that was the classic kind of dream crusher game, right? Uh, you see this all the time in college. A team, a program, they're they're kind of high on themselves. there's this Notre Dame team, like, hey, maybe we'll sneak up on the people. And uh, yeah, they they go up a class against uh, Michigan, and who? Uh, Michigan hasn't looked amazing either, but Michigan just uh, destroyed them. So now you get uh, Virginia Tech coming in, and now granted, Virginia Tech is coming off a sixth overtime win. Uh so I don't have a lot of data as far as coming off a six <laughs> O T win trend wise. Right, right. But I do think seventeen and a half points is is just too much. I mean you look at Ian Book and uh the troubling thing I think for Ian Book, he doesn't throw a lot of picks, but he does throw a ton of incompletions. His uh, completion percentage last year, 2018, 68.2. It's dropped down below sixty percent at fifty nine point two. Uh that's just you can't keep the chains going. And this Virginia Tech team, again, not gonna uh, not gonna be in the college football playoff, but I do think they're confident enough to cover uh, three
1: scores.
2: Well, and Herndon Hooker is the quarterback for Virginia Tech, and you should know we had a guest on uh, before you here, Brian Edwards, uh, with his own uh, podcasting, his own handicapping. He loves this game too. He loves the quarterback Hooker. They've won three games in a row. Has Virginia Tech. Uh, coming into this one now and they not only uh had that six overtime game they actually had the week off last week to be able to rest up from it Um and I, I said to him and I, I'd love to have your thought on this point Notre Dame not only lost that game to Michigan kind of the rivalry game but they got beat up physically I thought some in that game there's a question mark about what do they have in the tank for the second half of course I'm saying this and watch Notre Dame put 50 on them but I, I wonder <laughs> Sean if they if they aren't beaten up some still for this game with Virginia Tech
4: yeah, I, I do think that was a very physical Michigan game. I mean, you I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel like there was like an eight-play drive where they didn't throw the ball once. And, you know, th- there's one thing to get beat up physically, but I also think the loss uh, was kind of demoralizing because it, if a team, if you know the team is going to run the ball and you just can't stop it, like essentially they're just imposing their will on you for 60 minutes of the game, and then that's really what that game felt like. Uh, I think that's demoralizing. So I would be shocked if Notre Dame comes out and just destroys a decent Virginia Tech team.
2: All right, very good on that. So that's your only college doggie. I do want to ask you, you're back in Southern California, USC, Oregon. I said this earlier, but I would rather have you. I know you're transplanted out there. This is a big deal in the West, and especially the West Coast, because whenever it involves USC and it involves Oregon in particular, that's become quite a game where everybody in the West pays attention in the major markets. Uh, whether you're talking about Southern California, Northern California, up the coast to the Portland area, Seattle, even in Arizona, even even in like Salt Lake, uh, et cetera, they're going to pay attention to this game. I'm seriously looking at USC there as the as the home dog. Oregon has escaped with a couple of narrow wins in their last two contests. Last second field goal to beat Washington State in their last game. This one's got a lot of build up for Pac-12 purposes for sure, Sean.
4: Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it's gonna it's gonna be a good game. I'm pretty sure uh, USC is coming off the bye, correct?
2: Correct. Yes. Well, they had, they played uh, last either Thursday or Friday. It all runs together for me. They've got at least eight days, if not nine days, in between their last game. So they do have a little yeah, extra. Yeah, they
4: they got a little bit of a little bit of extra time, and then uh, you got to be worried about crystal Ball in these in these big uh, these big <laughs> primetime games. He seems to. I'm still so mad about him blowing that uh, Auburn game uh, week one. I, I've kind of stuck with Oregon uh, just just being stubborn because I. They were kind of like my dark horse long shot to sneak into the college football playoff. But, I mean, USC as a home dog uh, with some extra time, I, I think you could make a great case for them against this Ducks team that's uh, certainly squeaked
1: back.
2: Well, we were just joking uh, earlier in the podcast, I keep making reference to that, that it was probably a, anywhere from a thirteen to $15 million loss for the Big 12 to have Oklahoma lose and probably not be part of the college football playoff. Big 12 may be all the way out of the college football playoff. If USC wins this game, it assures that everybody in the Pac-12 has got a couple of losses, so you can say goodbye to the Pac-12 for the college football playoff. So that's riding on this as well. Uh, We'll see what happens in that matchup. Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast. He's going to tell you more about it in a little bit. I love his insight. He's turning his attention to the NFL. Again, perk up, because this guy's usually good for at least one or more of these NFL doggies. Uh, what do we like for this weekend? Give me one, please.
4: Yeah, well, let's uh, let's head up to uh, Buffalo for the uh, Washington Redskins. Right now, the Redskins are getting nine and a half points. Uh, it, it's crazy again that they have this line out. Um, I, I think it means that uh, you know Case Keenum is going to be the one starting at quarterback, even if even if uh, Haskins starts. I, I guess I would wait to see. Uh, if Haskins starts, you're probably going to even get more points. But I, I just don't. This this Bills offense is completely suspect. Uh, you saw uh, how they struggled against the Eagles last week, and the Bills defense was kind of the story so far during the season. But the Eagles really were able to run the ball on them. Yes, and, they and did. The Bills quietly have quietly have a, um, you know, a poor rushing defense going right now. And that's, that, that's how the Redskins want to play. And the Redskins have a decent front seven. Uh, they kept the game close against the 49ers. I, I think they're just going to hang in this game. Um, and Josh Allen keeps turning the ball over. You can't lay ten points or nine and a half at home uh, when you're turning the ball over like that.
2: There's two schools of thought. Either the Redskins are completely in the tank, swimming with Shamu, or they will play with some pride here. Uh, they they hung in in the Thursday night game back 10 days ago or so, depending on when you're listening, here on Three Dog Thursday, uh, against the Vikings losing 19-9. to Let's see if they hang in and give Buffalo some fits uh, there on the road with a little extra time. It seems like a theme, an extra time here for them as well uh, to prepare for this game. Second NFL underdog. I'm curious.
4: Yeah, and 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 that was a great uh point you threw in there. But teams coming off that Thursday night are are like well over uh sixty percent, I'm pretty sure. Uh ATF. So that's something you want to stay on as well. Ah, like I'm that. Gonna, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna uh give me you're your You're gonna do Tampa what? Bay wait a minute, you're gonna Bucks?
2: do you're gonna do what? You're gonna hang up on me? No, wait a minute. What are you doing? No. What are you doing?
4: I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with the Tampa Bay Bus <laughs> once again. <laughs> oh, give me, oh, 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 oh
1: the line is
4: now up to uh six and a half points in seattle uh you know really it, it's again it's seattle is a very interesting team because they have russell wilson who's you know, playing at like an mvp caliber uh for the most part but their their defense is really not what it used to be and you, you've you seen this bucks team uh granted james has had issues with turnovers but they've really uh, been able to pass the ball very well at times. I mean, Godwin and Evans are just been fantasy dynamos. Uh, so I think even if, they're, even if they're down two scores, I think the back door would definitely be open for this uh, Bucks team because they're able to pass the ball. And, and Seattle, you look at them, the storyline for Seattle used to be dominant at Seattle. So tough to, to lose uh, for the Seahawks at Seattle. But right now this year, they're 0-4 ATS at home. Um, they've, they've averaged basically a negative four and a half point differential. they are two wins at home. They only have two, uh, both were just by one point, And one of them was against the Bengals. So they haven't really looked that good at home. They've shown up in tough road spots, but they haven't looked good at home. And, uh, I just can't quit Jameis. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I know he keeps, tur- he keeps turning the ball over, but I, I uh, you know, Arians still believes in him. Uh, certainly for now, at least, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting game and should be close.
2: Well, you know where my affiliation uh, lies. I work with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. I will say to the audience, this man was preaching Buccaneers against the Rams at the Coliseum when the Bucs were off of a gut punch loss at home, missed the last second field goal yeah. to lose to the Giants, came and played lights out in L.A. Now, I'm getting on the plane and heading to Seattle this weekend. If you are led by pipe- Locking this for me, then I'm loving you to yep. death here. If you're lead pipe locking this, because <laughs> you were locked in on the Bucks against the Rams. When there's a lot of people, I'm sure that are listening to this, saying, "What is he talking about?" With the Buccaneers having lost three straight in and around the bye, but you you like Seattle. It sounds like being suspect at home as much as anything. Just real yep. quick.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I what I'm this pick is based off the number being a little inflated. Uh, when it comes to Seattle. I, I think this, as crazy as it sounds, it probably should be closer to four, maybe three and a half. Mm. Um, but but uh, it's one of those things. I just think I think Tampa Bay is going to be able to move the ball against the Seattle sure. defense. Well, to and, your point, let me interrupt uh,
2: you. To your point, yeah. uh, everybody they've played has moved the ball and scored on them, even when they led 24 nothing at the half last week against the Falcons. And you can say, okay, they led up. Matt Schaub threw for 400 yards. They got back in the game somewhat. <laughs> they scored 20 points. The week before, when they beat Cleveland at Cleveland, uh, whatever that was, Baker Mayfield and company still put 20-plus points on them. Lamar Jackson and company came into Seattle and put 30 on them, I believe, including a defensive touchdown. They might have had two defensive touchdowns and had like 35 yep. points. But the point is, everybody has basically scored on their defense, and you're kind of banking on that right now.
4: Totally yeah and and I think I think Tampa Bay is going to be able to uh you know move the ball and put up points, but I also think Seattle may be able to do the same to a certain degree. Uh, I would definitely look if you're in daily fantasy or fantasy football uh look to play some some of the guys from this game. It just feel like it could be a back and forth affair, and again, great point when you talked about Seattle letting up against against Atlanta. Uh, if you had that late number, that plus nine once Shah was announced, you got a nice back door there against the Seahawks. And I could see a similar situation, uh, Seahawks being up 10 uh, late and then Jameis going down and, and, and getting a garbage touchdown. But I, I think they'll be able to hang in the game in general. But uh, yeah, definitely with the six points.
2: And it's fair it's fair to say this. The Bucks are 2 and 5 season on the line. It's not an overstatement. You do not want to be 2 and 6. I mean, the division is basically gone because the New Orleans Saints have run away from everybody to this point with Teddy Bridgewater winning 5 games in relief. Uh, so at this point, if you want to if you want to have any sniff of the wild card hunt in December, you can't be 2-6. You, you've got to try to get this win. So the Bucs may play desperate, may, may take some chances. Arians may go for it on a fourth down early in the game. You may see trick play. You may see some different things that happen here in this game because Tampa Bay's got to get a win. We'll find out going all the way out to the Pacific Northwest uh, to see what happens uh, in this one. Again, I love Sean Green's insight, uh, the sports gambling podcast, podcast very popular sean tell the audience more about the podcast the site where they can find out more hear more from what you your partner ryan and everybody does go ahead
4: yep over at uh, sports we got a ton of blogs um picks podcasts we got it all we got youtube videos and uh yeah you can get it all over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and of course itunes spotify and uh yeah we're doing three podcasts a week uh, daily fantasy one, a college one, and a uh,
2: NFL one. Incredible insight from from the writers. Uh, Sean and his guys do a bunch of great stuff with the numbers, and they're on multiple times during the week. Sports Gambling Podcast dot com is where you can find them. And again, uh, searching for that podcast, do so on iTunes, Spotify, etc. He goes Virginia Tech. Uh, he stays kind of in the in the nation's capital area, the greater D.C. area, with the Redskins against the Bills, and he loves the Bucks. God love him. Let's see what happens. From your lips <laughs> to the NFL God's ears here with my Buccaneers traveling out to play the Seahawks, look forward to seeing what they can do. Good luck with the underdogs, young man. Thank you for hanging with me again on 3-Dog Thursday. Always love the chat, Sean Green.
1: Appreciate it, PJ.
2: And that'll do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Again, thanks to all of my guests. Chris Giannini, he and Gary Seegers, the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Also, Dave Woloshit on the Memphis radio broadcast Uh, with me. Memphis and SMU, Saturday night, ABC, showing it all over the country. Wolos on the radio call. I'm going to be anxious to see what happens with my alma mater in that matchup with SMU. They're actually favored. SMU, the doggy at 8-0 on the season. Brian Edwards of BrianEdwardsSports.com with his underdogs. He really likes Florida and Virginia Tech. Uh, Also, Sean Green. The Sports Gambling Podcast, likewise, likes Virginia Tech and a couple of NFL dogs as well, as you just heard there a few moments ago. Again, I am going to go uh, with a couple of different underdogs. I love Lane Kiffin and Florida Atlantic, FAU and Western Kentucky, FAU on the road, trying to catch their stride a little bit, Uh, a little bit of a question mark with Chris Robinson at quarterback with a midweek injury. It looks like he will play. I'll take the Owls to pull the upset in Conference USA play against the Western. Kentucky Hilltoppers. I love USC. We were just talking about this game with Sean Green a few minutes ago here on the podcast. I love USC against Oregon getting the points at home. I'll take the Trojans who will... I think they can win that game outright with Oregon, so I'll gladly take the points in the Pac-12 with the USC Trojans. And in the NFL, let me go to London and those Jacksonville Jaguars. I love them in the revenge situation. I'm believing in Minshew mania. Gardner Minshew, the quarterback. Leonard Fournette at running back. Revenge game. They lost Lost to the Texans in week two in a close game. Missed the two-point conversion at the very end in the final minute that could have won them the game. Give me Jacksonville in the revenge game against Deshaun Watson and Houston. Uh, Jacksonville getting the short point and a half uh, there in the matchup in London. So there you go, three underdogs from me as well. Good luck to our prognosticators. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Again, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. And spread the word around. Rate us and review us. It'll help the podcast and the rankings. Spread the word around through social media. We love talking underdogs exclusively. College football and the NFL with Three Dog Thursday. I'm T.J. Reeves. Enjoy the games. The final weekend of October gets kicked off there with Halloween. We flip the calendar to November this weekend. Enjoy all the games in college football and the NFL. Thank you for being with me on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.